Welcome back, everyone, to the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Christopher Turner, and I am your host. Today is July 21st, 2022, and I am very excited to be back on. Just a day later from uh, yesterday's episode, which was about loneliness, and it was a really in-depth one. Um, After listening back to it, uh, I really liked where uh, the rabbit hole we went down. Uh, I really found that focusing on loneliness helped me understand some of and put into context some of the experiences I've had. Uh, in my past. And so I'm hoping that um, you got the same out of it. Uh, that being said, I don't want to dwell too much on the past or have too much just random talking in the beginning. So let's get right into it. I'm going to continue uh, with the structure we set yesterday and pull a page out of the Buddha book, pull a card for you, just one today, because I don't think we need to do as long of a reading as we did yesterday. Uh, and then we'll get right into the topic. Uh, today, I'm not exactly sure if we're going to focus on control or love. Um, but I think there's a reason that both of them are coming up, uh, the idea of control and love and how they relate. So that's, that's what I'm focusing on today. All right, guys, let's get this started with a page or two out of the sayings of the Buddha book, Reflections for Every Day by William Ray. Um, I pull these intuitively and how I do that is just literally by flipping through the, through the pages, you know, setting my intention before, um, which my intention right now would be we're looking for a message that applies not only to me, but to all of you, to the general collective, right? So I'm asking my guides and I'm asking your guides and I'm asking the universal energies around me to align me properly so that when I stop on a page, it's the page that is relevant to both me and you, if that makes sense. So guys, angels, ancestors, anybody who's out there helping us, please guide me to the pages that we need to hear. Stop, okay. Looks like the pages we have today are 206 and 207. 206 says, The instructed disciple disregards material shapes and the rest. By disregarding, he is passionless. Through passionlessness, he is freed. In freedom, the knowledge comes to be, I am freed. And he has foreknowledge. Destroyed his birth, lived is the Brahma faring. Done is what was done. There is nothing more of being such or such. Wow, that's a that's a lot to pull apart, right? You'll find that with a lot of these sayings in the Buddha book. Um, these are coming from enlightened individuals, <laughs> right? Uh, so they take some thought to really understand. You know, you have to really pull yourself apart at the seams and try to figure out what they're talking about. Um, but I think what this passage is speaking of is something about the physical world, the way we view the world specifically. It's talking about a certain transition, right? Uh, this disciple begins by disregarding the material shapes, you know, definitions, compartmentalizations that we do so socially as, as a species. You know, the way we view the world, that perspective that is given to you through schooling, you know, through the way you're raised. By disregarding that, kind of letting go of all the definitions that you think were true or all the things that you found founded before you open yourself up to the possibility that something could be you know you could be surprised and you could learn something Uh, it speaks of by letting go of passion and that passionlessness he is freed Uh, i it hits me odd when i see passionless and 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 that being something that frees somebody because passion seems to be an enjoyable or, or positive emotion or expression right you know, when people are passionate about something, it's it's uh, magnetic, right? To watch somebody talk about something or to play something or to show you something that they truly are passionate about, it, it, it brings the passion alive in you, right? But there's also an aspect of t- to passion that can be uncontrolled, unbridled, right? Uh, you can see this in the way that the passions themselves are expressed, you know, um, the vices, so that if you don't control yourself properly, the things that you feel pulled towards will end up controlling you, right? And I think that's why this speaks of passionlessness in this passage as being something that can free you. Uh, because in order to truly be free, you can't feel controlled by anything other than yourself. Because you aren't controlled by anything other than yourself. Everything's always your choice, and this world is a reflection of you. So to be free, you have to see that the things that you want, the things that you desire, uh, won't solve the problem that you think they will. And this is true for every single person on the human planet, on the planet. 
It's every single being in the universe. You know, the perspective that we have in this 3D world, uh, it pushes us to think that we might be uh, able to manipulate, able to um, attain things that we want or things that we see other people have. And we see those other people in emotional states that we envy. And then we think that if we get those things, those emotional states will fill the void and create us into the same person and make us feel the same as those people that we think are enjoying themselves so much. In order to be free, you have to let go of the expectation that something outside of you is going to make you feel complete. In freedom, the knowledge comes to be, I am freed. And he has foreknowledge. And foreknowledge, I actually want to define it. I believe it means like, you know, knowledge beforehand, right? Let's see what it means. Awareness of something before it happens or exists. Yeah. So you become aware of all of these processes. Destroyed as birth. Lived as the Brahma fairing. Done as what was done. There is nothing more of being such or such. It's a hard one to chew on. I don't, I don't, honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest with you guys, I don't know exactly what that means. But if I had to venture a guess, it'd be something like that foreknowledge um, destroys... the illusion of the future and the past. It destroys the illusion of, like, you know, you having the possibility of disappearing. It destroys the illusion of you feeling like you need to control yourself. Fundamentally. Hold yourself back. That's, that's what I would take from that. But I'd be really interested to hear if any of you have a different interpretation because these ones, I'm not sure. You know, that's why these are such deep passages. It's because they're meant to be interpreted in the way we're doing here. Everybody has their own perspective. It's very valuable. What you see in those words and hear in those words is going to be something different than what I do. And that's why it's for you, you know. Page 207, the second passage for today, is grasping after systems. Imprisoned by dogmas, for the most part, is this world. But he who does not go in for system grasping he neither doubts nor is perplexed by not depending on others knowledge herein comes to be his own grasping after systems imprisoned by dogmas for the most part is this world but he who does not go in for system grasping he neither doubts nor is perplexed by not depending on others knowledge herein comes to be his own and similar to the previous passage right in some ways like the world tries to compartmentalize and define itself we try to define the world actually human beings do and we get imprisoned in these dogmas these laws that we establish based on our perspective and our observations you know we like to think that if we could just figure out the equation you know to all of this that it would somehow be less scary <laughs> and i don't think that's the truth um I think there's a reason that we forget, maybe. But those dogmas hold us back, those assumptions hold us back. And, but if you don't go in with the idea that you need to align yourself with a physical system or a, you know, uh, ideology, or if you feel like you just want to go in recognizing that your perspective is unique and just observing, if you do that, you gain knowledge. Fundamentally, you learn fundamentally because the thing that would keep you from seeing is taken away. It's no longer, right? The dogmas, the limitations. Excuse me, my nose is a little stuffed up this morning or today, this afternoon actually for me. So that's what I got for the Buddha sayings today. I thought those were really interesting. Those are really deep. Um, not what I was expecting so we'll have to see how the, that plays into the context of what we talk about today. I'm curious. Uh, and moving on, let's go back to our tarot cards. I'm going to pull it live for you today here, guys, just because I feel like it's actually beneficial when I'm doing it um, so that I can align with the energy of who I'm reading for. Right. So um, 
I have the same tarot deck that I've been using up until this point, Angel Wisdom Tarot deck. I'm going to keep with this one. And we're just going to pull one card for today and see what that gets us. Okay, just one card. The same intention. I'm looking for the messages that will benefit both me and you. Anybody who's listening, the general collective that is tuning in to the Unfounded Podcast right now, I'm asking my angels, my guides, my ancestors, and yours to bring us the information, the guidance that we need. All right. I'm going to go ahead and shuffle now. Give me a couple seconds, okay? We got one that popped out. Let's see what we have. Mm, interesting. The card that we pulled for today is the High Priestess. The High Priestess card in the tarot is uh, genuine. It generally uh, looked at as um, kind of representative of somebody that's highly intuitive, um, being connected to the divine, right? Uh, kind of a magic being uh, of sorts. Um, the High Priestess is a very powerful card. Uh, it speaks of having access to the other worlds that I've been speaking of, or gaining access to, or recognizing, at the very least, that there is something more than yourself. Um, on the card of the High Priestess, there's this woman uh, with very short hair, uh, holding a book, a golden book, sitting on a throne. Um, and she's an angel. She has wings behind her. Obviously, most of these cards are angels. And uh, behind her is a crescent moon and a halo. And flowing from her robes is what looks like water, which is very interesting. I've never noticed before. Uh, and on either side of her throne are, is the yin and yang symbol. And it says, meditate and turn inward to discover your soul's true desire. This is not the time for action. Develop your intuitive gifts and trust the wisdom you receive. Let's find this in the book. So what I'm picking up right now is that um, today is, is not a time for being a go-getter. Um, you know, as much autonomy as you have in your life, you know, it's a Thursday for me. So if you're listening to this on the same day, then you probably are working or doing something of the sort. But um, resting doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like calling in sick. Um, going in inward doesn't necessarily mean shutting out everything else. Uh, it's a different state of mind that I think you're being asked to recognize right now. Um, similar to what it feels like when you dream or when you're in a daydream. Um, what's coming to mind right now is when you're driving in the car. You know when you drive in a car and you're by yourself and uh, this usually happens. It can happen when you have music on or even a podcast on like we're doing right here. But um, sometimes when, in the silence is when it's the best. When you're on a long drive, maybe a long straightaway. And it's just silent when you have the window down and you lose time you know time that time dilation effect starts happening you start to go somewhere else and then before you know it you look down and the time's gone by like that you know it's been 30 minutes and you didn't even recognize it. and you were somewhere else you feel it and a lot of you may recognize it because it's kind of a scary feeling the first time it happens because you're like oh shit like I don't remember what I just drove by. I don't know if I was going the speed limit the whole time. Like, what if something popped out in front of me? You know, you were on autopilot. You know, your brain was taking care of those things while you were going somewhere else. Your spirit was, you know, and you can do that while you're awake, right? So what this card is speaking of is being in that kind of a state. In that state, you're talking, you're interacting with your guides, right? With the angels, you're in the angelic realm. And you're being asked to tune into that side of yourself right now and to try to tune out the more 3d versions of the world the regular perspective you usually find yourself in and try to push yourself inward a little bit try to be a little bit more um, more imaginative if it feels like work try to make it fun um try to daydream you know pick something that you're excited about and try to visualize it right uh, maybe if you're if you're uh, frustrated with a problem that you can't figure out, maybe take that problem and try to visualize it. And if you don't like visualizing internally, some people have a hard time visualizing or images in their head. Talk to yourself about it, right? And even if you don't hear anybody talking back, just talk it through with yourself. And you may find that in that conversation inter internally, that internal dialogue or that internal you know, viewing that you do, however you do it yourself, that you find some kind of insight you've been looking for. It says this is not a time for action. So today's not a time for like, you know, going and making things happen. Today's a time for recognizing 
messages, hearing, listening, being perceptive, you know, in more ways than just the physical, in more ways than just using your eyes. It's using your third eye, right? It's using, you know, the picture that I have for the podcast. It's using that eye, right? And that eye isn't something that sees the 3D. That eye is something that sees the other realms. If you want to know what it feels like to view through, through the third eye, it feels like when you dream. It's, it looks the same. So, see what you can get from that, right? See what you can get from going inwards today and trying to maybe, um, I don't know, if you if you have a hard time slowing down or if your brain just kind of goes, goes, goes and you have been working today or something, maybe tonight or uh, pick a day uh, that you can have just a couple hours by yourself, maybe. It doesn't have to be that long, but a time for a bath or maybe even a time to just go to the, you know, the gym and stretch, put in some headphones. Um you know, you can do it however you want, whatever you're guided to. And your guides will let you know what is good for you, right? Um, but it shouldn't be something that feels like work. It should be something that feels like rest. So that being said, that's our card for today, the High Priestess. And actually, I'm drawn to one more right before we move on, guys. Uh, as I look down the bottom of the deck here, we have uh, the Four of Cups, which the Four of Cups is kind of a, it speaks of, um, well, it speaks of gratefulness, but kind of in a way of not recognizing the things you should be grateful for, right? So maybe that's what this introspection is kind of about. So maybe you have a little bit more to be grateful for than you're recognizing right now. You might feel a little low. You might feel like you're missing out in some way. Um, and in the picture of the Four of Cups, there's an angel behind this tree, and there's a uh, a person, this, this young gentleman sitting at the bottom of the tree, kind of like if you imagine what Newton was doing when he got hit in the head with the apple. It's like a, a guy sitting under a tree, an apple tree. And he's, he's sitting there like all solemnly, he looks really sad, looking at three cups. Uh, and behind him is an angel hiding behind the tree, looking at him kind of lovingly, holding one of the cups full of water. Uh, and the other three cups are empty and the person's only focusing on those three cups. But if the person would just look or like turn their head to the left, maybe, you know, 75 degrees, you'd see that there's an angel there holding out exactly what you're looking for. You know, you have what you're looking for. Uh, but this, this represents it being something inside, something you have to, to look to find. That looking is going inside. You know, it's not outside. Don't look around you. Look inside. The cup's inside. <laughs> right? It's something that you hold. And cups speak of emotions, right? Um, so the card says itself, failing to recognize a magical opportunity, missing the point, the distractions of daily life, discontentment or boredom, lost in your own world. It says, wake up, literally, wake up. Right? So in an odd way, you know, usually when you go to sleep and you dream, you consider that, you know, you're going to sleep going into that, you know, those other realms. But this is asking you to flip that and to try to think about waking up as being, as being going into those realms. That's waking up. Think of those realms as re more real than what you're seeing right now. Try to do that. Even if it's something that doesn't feel real to you, just play with that idea. What if the stuff that you don't see is more real than the stuff that you do? What would that mean? What would that entail? Right? Okay. So I think that's what we got for today with the tarot. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, I did have a couple runes uh, that actually really interestingly this morning, um, I had forgotten that I had these. I was going through my backpack where I have all my um, tarot cards and things like that. And uh, I pulled out this bag and I thought it had crystals in it. And um, I went to set it on the table and two runes popped out of it. Uh, you know, rolled out. And it seemed very, sometimes, especially if you do tarot or anything like that, if you ever pull your own cards, you'll notice like sometimes cards will literally pop out. They'll like jump out, right? And that's kind of what these did. They like popped out of the bag and I was really drawn to them. Um, and I kind of, I read them. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to go over the runes that popped out today. Um, but they were, they were very positive. So if, if you were feeling down after, um, you know, because I don't want to do too long of a reading, but if you're feeling down after the Four of Cups, don't feel down. It's, it's just meant to rec recognize that you're, you know, you may, you may be feeling today uh, like uh, you, you may be missing something that's really good today. You may be not noticing that there's something to be grateful for, right? Um, and that's a good thing because that means you can feel better than you feel right now, <laughs> right? Uh, but because, and these kind of, you know, relate to that, these runes, there was four of them that fell out because um, they're all very positive. They speak about manifestation. Um, they, they, see, they, 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 see, uh, they speak about luck. Um, you know, having a positive shifting of times, uh, similar to what we were talking about yesterday with the seasons. It spoke of like moving into a better season. So um, take all of that in context. And I think, you know, you, if don't be hard on yourself, you know, if, you've, if maybe you're, uh, 
if you are feeling overwhelmed, one of the worst things you can do is try to push yourself. So take this as kind of a fun experiment. Anyway, I want to talk about love today. And I've talked about it before. We've had episodes on love. I've had other people on where we talked about love. Um, I think love, you know, one word, one idea, one feeling, one emotion, it has to be the most powerful. And and it's usually cliche when we say this, but it is the most powerful thing in the universe. And I think think you can recognize this in a couple, in in some weird ways. Um, But one of the ways I usually recognize it and one of the beauties I see in the concept of love is that there's been so many people throughout history that have there's been millions and millions and millions and millions of words written trying to describe what the feeling of love is. There's been countless movies and countless books and countless poems and countless songs all written trying to describe what one thing feels like. You know, do you think just saying a word love, just saying the word love properly conveys what that is? Because I, I don't think it does. I think there's a lot of limitations to language, verbal language. I found myself throughout um, the last couple of years uh, constantly in this position of not knowing how to describe how I feel. Feeling like there's not a word for it. And sometimes that would lead me to recognize that the feeling I was feeling, there was a word for. And that's how I learned that some of the feelings I was feeling I didn't recognize were normal feelings like anxiety and sadness and bitterness and these kind of things, right? Um, But sometimes it can also lead you to kind of um, it can lead you to recognize that that there is a limitation to our language and that certain, certain types of experience can't be described properly with language. You know? Certain things can't be described properly with just sound or just visuals. You know, it's a whole experience thing. You know, the feeling of falling in love with somebody or the feeling of feeling love for somebody is so, in a way, complicated and deep that you could write books about it. And that in itself speaks of the beauty of the energy of love, the power of the energy of love. Right, And some could argue that maybe you could do that with any of the emotions, but I don't think so. I don't think so. But the context in which I want to talk about love today is in the context of control. Um, I never thought of love in terms of control. Uh, before recently. Um... You know, you've heard the term or the saying, if you love something, let it go, right? And I, th- that, that just, just saying it is frustrating. But there's also something that feels true in it, right? Um, relationships are really hard. They're really hard, you know, it's hard to develop yourself. If you just take yourself and you're single for a long time, it's, you can do a lot of work internally. You know, I learned this firsthand. You can talk to yourself a lot like I do right now, right? <laughs> you, can, uh, you can try to be introspective. You know, you can go and try to engage with the religions. You can um, pray a lot. You know, you can, you can make yourself into the person that you want to be. Or recognize who you always were, however you want to view it. But without another person to reflect you back, uh, it, not only does it become less satisfying gradually over time, but it also, um, the progress stops. You need to have your ideas challenged. You don't want somebody that agrees with you. Uh, you, want, you, want, you want to meet somebody else that is something different. You know? Something... Uh, that resonates with you but isn't you. Because you already love yourself. You should already love yourself. You don't need to love yourself and somebody else. You know what I mean? You already love yourself. So it's like you find something else that's different. We want to be surprised. We want to have adventure. That's why we watch movies. 
That's why we read books and stories, fiction in general. You know, we want romance. And in order to find that, I think we need to have a certain contrast, I guess is the best way to put it, between energies. You know, everything in the universe is a wave, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, right? And so if you view um, a connection as a wave, you know, if you wanted to balance a wave out, uh, what would you do? You wouldn't match the wave. You know, you wouldn't get the peaks and the troughs to match perfectly. What you do is actually have them alternating to balance them. You'd have a peak with one wave where the trough of another wave is. Peak trough, peak trough, right? And in that, you'd find this balance. Oddly enough, if you view it, if you can see what I'm seeing right now, if you're visualizing it with me, what it looks like is the double helix form of DNA, right? Picture the double helix form of DNA, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, there's this way in which meshing something to prop, two things that mesh properly together become one thing right um, and that's the depth I'm talking about the limitation that exists with just being by yourself you know when you combine two things when you alchemize you know that's what alchemy is about it's combining things creating something new you alchemize something it you know energetically you create something new love is about creating something new you know love is about experiencing something you never experienced before it's about letting go of control It's why I think there's so many problems in the modern world with relationships, why there's so much divorce, why the idea of monogamy is something that's really under attack in general. Um, I think we've gotten lazy, deeply, deeply, deeply lazy, spiritually, energetically. Nietzsche described this process happening. It's not something that's like... Oh God, this should have never happened. It's a, it's, it's evolution revolving. This was supposed to happen, but we, we, we lost, you know, we evolved and I've explained this before, but I really believe that human beings developed their concept of God. The, the concept of God co-developed with the human beings, physical avatar. So as the Homo sapien evolved, the idea of God evolved, right? And you picture like having these prehistoric kind of um, Homo sapiens, cavemen essentially, that are trying to explain and understand the world and compartmentalize it in the same ways that we do today, right? But with none of the knowledge that we have today and how would they do that? What would they come up with, right? There's this idea that if you if you looked out into the world and you didn't know what any of it was, if you hadn't, you know, identified it already, you would be very readily identify the things that are scary, the things that are, you know, make you feel that sense of awe as something that's otherworldly, something outside of yourself. You know, a lightning bolt, a thunderstorm, when you don't have shelter and you're out in the middle of it, is one of the most terrifying things you can experience. You know? Your life can be threatened. There's this smallness that's relayed to you in that kind of a scenario that like automatically starts to develop this idea of God or something bigger than me. If you play that idea out, anything that inspires that feeling would then take on this idea of God. And it makes sense why we would develop a different idea of gods. I'm obviously coming at it from a more secular point of view right now, you know, and of an evolutionary point of view, but this is kind of, I think, how Nietzsche would describe it. We needed to start to view the world in one way and identify it so we could understand it, its purpose, you know? We created this pantheon of gods, representative of things that we see in the physical world that are awe-inspiring. And then we started to meet each other and interact socially with other homo sapiens. We developed language 
We started to reason and realize that these things, some of these things couldn't coexist, or some of these ideas, some of these gods, some of these powers were kind of similar to each other. And so as our societies meshed, those gods came together as well. You know, they alchemized together. And in that alchemy, um, we kind of refined the idea of God from many into one over a very, very long period of time. So in that evolutionary process, um, there being something, you know, there's something greater going on spiritually too. And Nietzsche, Nietzsche's idea was that if you, you played that out long enough, you know, he declared God dead in the 1800s. Oh, excuse me. He declared God dead in the 1800s. And what he meant by that, if you read the passage, let me find it real quick. Nietzsche, God is dead. Quote. Oop, sorry. I really like this quote. I've referenced it quite a bit. Um, but it's, it, it's kind of one of those, it's those uh, morbid, beautifully morbid kind of things. Uh, anyway, let me... Um, Let me read this to you. This is uh, God is Dead by Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, God is dead. God remains dead. And we have killed him. How should we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? What was holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet owned has bled to death under our knives? Who will wipe this blood off of us? What water is there for us to clean ourselves? What festivals of atonement, what sacred games shall we have to invent? Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? So in that idea, Nietzsche thought that we would evolve from many gods into a single god and then realize that a god outside of ourselves doesn't match uh, our understanding of the physical world as we grew more able to compartmentalize it and measure it as science took over. So that as science became more mainstream, as this type of thinking, the scientific method, this method of thought, this secular worldview took hold, it killed off literally the idea of an external God, which is why so often you see secularism or the scientific world presented against the religious world because it came into this world as a response to religion. But neither are correct. So Nietzsche's idea was that we killed off God externally by being us. (laughs) And then after that, we'd recognize that there was something deeply missing. That fundamentally God is real, but that we killed off the idea of it being external so that we're left with this certain responsibility. Because if you don't have a God, then who's responsible for the world? Who's responsible for your actions? Who's responsible for every bad deed you've ever made? Who's responsible, you know, for fixing it? The world. You. And everybody in it, right? And so you can see how it could, there's this ego problem. We start to torture ourselves, forcing ourselves, thinking that we're the only ones that see how to fix the world. What do you see politically people do, right? They know, they know so deeply how to fix the world and they know where the enemy is because every political party is a response to the other one. They're not trying to solve a problem, they're responding to another group, another idea. So how would they not be just as imbalanced as the idea they're responding to? You know, every political party is imbalanced. Their response is to another thing, you know, another party. But that... Now that God's dead, which basically from the, I think it was the early to mid 1800s onward until now, until the modern times, we've lived in this secular world of mechanisms and money and things. But that is deeply dissatisfying. And that other things have grown in this period of time, things like mental illness, right? You know, if you track things like uh, data um, on like suicides and murder and violence and all of that kind of stuff, it, it's kind of scary. You know, it, we didn't do, it's not like there's a lot of data to go back on 300 years ago, right? Um, but there's a definite increase in the trend of people being less 
fulfilled in their lives. People feeling disconnected from one another, people being lonely, like I said yesterday, and kind of wanting more out of life. That feeling itself is, I think, what Nietzsche was talking about, us recognizing that we killed God in that feeling. When I was talking about loneliness, when you sit by yourself long enough, you'll realize that if you want to maintain that secular perspective, you're going to have to feel lonely for a really long time. All the way up until you disappear into nothing and never come back. I fail to see... I, I just see nihilism in that perspective. Which is funny because Nietzsche is usually referred to as one of the main <laughs> philosophical like nihilists in a certain sense, but I don't think he is. Because Nietzsche's envisioning of what happened after we killed God was something beautiful. He kind of gets into it in the last sentence. Is not the greatness of this deed too great for us? Must we ourselves not become gods simply to appear worthy of it? What I believe uh, and what Nietzsche talks about is that Killing off God externally wasn't um, something that we could have stopped from happening. It was an evolutionary process because God as an external thing, God sitting on a cloud, heaven being somewhere outside of you, hell being somewhere outside of you, that kind of an idea, you know, um, the traditional way we view religions, that had to die because it wasn't true. Fundamentally, as science became a thing, it proved that some of these things can't be true. So where's God? If it's not out there, if it's not on the cloud, if it's not beyond the stars, where's God? First we say nowhere. And then we grow in despair and loneliness until we realize that God was inside of us all the time. God was never external to you. You talking is God. Right? People get scared of this idea of like, what must we not become God simply to appear worthy of it? Nietzsche is not saying that we are going to inflate our egos to the point where we all think we can control and manifest an entire universe ourselves. Which is the way I think people usually you know, would take that. It's, it's something else. It's, we are all a piece of the same thing. Once we realize that and we're not disconnected from anything, there's nothing outside of us. There's nothing to control inside of us because it's God. Then we truly become what we were always meant to be. The closest description that you could represent a human being that highly evolved is as a God. Someone who becomes unbounded by the concepts and kind of the, the moorings of the physical world and recognizes what it truly is fundamentally. And I believe the purpose of that you know, we, we talk about this great awakening happening. It's, it's, it's happening at a species level, right? Um, evolution happens to the species. So it doesn't just act at the individual level, right? It's a process that acts totally. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means our future is a lot brighter than people like to think. It's not apocalyptic. I tend to believe that, you know, it's love, guys. It's love. That's, I mean, bringing it back to the what I started on. I don't know how I got to Nietzsche from love, you know, but it's love. You know, all of this was created for you and is you. It's not just for you. It is you. It is you. This entire world and every person in it is you. It is a playground. And you don't have to restrain yourself in it. You're meant to feel joy and happiness and love. You know, connection. We talked about it yesterday. Connection, right? In terms of control, you can't keep something connected if you constantly want to yank on it and pull it and tug it, right? You have to be willing to kind of let go a little bit and let it go where it needs to go. You know, it's like a... Um, It'd be really nice, you know, think about it this way. Um, 
But if you're all by yourself and you had you found this, you know, you had you found a dog. And you took the dog and uh, you know, you were taking care of the dog and you put it in a you know, a, a fence. You know, you kept it in the fence because you didn't want it to run away. And every day you had it in this fence. You never let it out because you were too scared of letting it run away. But then in that you started to recognize that you never knew whether the dog actually stayed because it liked you or whether it stayed because you forced it to. Right? So there'd be this necessity if you really loved the dog at some point to take the dog out and let it choose. Do you want to stay here or do you want to go back to the life you had? Because I want you to be happy. And in order to stay connected to you, to know that we are connected, I need to know that you're able to do that. That I'm not going to keep you from feeling fulfilled. So often in relationships, you know, we come in with trauma, whether it's friendships or romantic. We come in with baggage. People that have hurt us in our past, past relationships that didn't work out, expectations uh, of what our future relationships should look like, and also kind of a fear of having the same problems manifest, right? When we get into relationships, we tend to... um, it's very easy to project, especially when you do have traumas or some kind of past that you haven't dealt with. And a lot of times, like I was saying earlier, it's necessary to deal with, to get to the level that's ne- to actually release and to heal. You're going to need to have a reflector like that, another person, a mirror, so that if we expect every one of our relationships to be what we deem as positive, you know, fun, you know, always, you know, just, uh, the good things, the you know, the dates and the gifts and the kisses and the, the hugs, like just that, which is usually what we want. You know, we think of love like we just want the good. We just want to be happy. We just want the good parts of it. But you you can't because the good parts of it isn't love. Love is a deeper emotion than just good. Good is different than love. Good is a human concept. It's not divine. You know, tell people to go do good. What is that? You know, one of the most fundamental debates philosophy has had throughout human history is what the good life is. What is your version of the good life is usually what people ask you in philosophy to try to determine how you view the world. And what's good? I don't know. What's bad? We associate it with certain feelings, certain vibrations, certain energies. Um, But the definition we apply to those things isn't correct. So that we keep ourselves from truly and fully experiencing the depth of human existence and of this world, period, all the emotions. And we keep ourselves in the modern world from experience love, what everybody's thirsty for, because we don't allow ourselves to feel the full aspect of love. Because it is painful. Part of it. The modern world is all about control. The secular worldview is all about control and leveraging things. You know? If something's not going right with your body, right? You feel something wrong with your body. If you feel even emotion that makes you feel bad, right? There's an answer to it out there that you can go, you know, take advantage of. Go look for a doctor that can give you a pill that'll fix it. Right? You can go buy something that'll fill the void temporarily. You know, there's, there's a lot of easy ways around feeling the pain and the negative emotions in this world so that people have been trained to not feel those things because we define them as good or bad. But then we have this society that's so lonely, so thirsty for love, you know, thirsty for connection in a world that is more connected than it's ever been. We have the loneliest people that have ever lived. And that is a conundrum. The deep problem that we have to figure out as a civilization. We have a tool like the internet and instead of using it as a as a means of literally recognizing all of the aspects of the human experience. You know, 
using it as a tool to really institute true vulnerability between all human beings. Recognize the similarities, the shared experience uh, all human beings have through this medium, this tool. You know, for as long as human beings have been around, the only way that you can connect with other human beings and truly feel connected like that, know that it was real, is to turn on your psychic gifts. We've always been able to do this, <laughs> but we now actually have gotten to a point where science has gotten far enough that we can, we've designed a 3D corollary to it. The internet is a 3D example of like our psychic connection in general. It's the web. So we have a 3D version of what we already have built into us fundamentally at like a universal level. And the more and more ubiquitous that becomes, the more and more lonely we feel. The internet is a mirror that we fail to recognize, right? It's acting as a mirror because we're all scared of ourselves. <clears throat> the internet is nothing but a reflection of all of the nasty aspects of the human being. This human being has hidden all of human humanity's existence, you know? We're meant to see all of the horribleness that we're seeing in the internet so that we can recognize the way it makes us feel as a civilization. So we can recognize not only the nasty parts, but the beautiful parts, right? So that we can leverage the beautiful parts and actually grow together, you know? I mean, the amount of money and resources and things we put towards just, you know, tabooifying all of these different aspects of the human shadow and then making money off of it. You know, being that entrenched in a digital world in a world where you can, you know, choose anything you want and kind of hide your true self and then play with it in this like private world you create, you know, um, it severs you fundamentally from, you know, your true psychic gifts and from the feeling of love because the love is connectedness, right? It's feeling like we're truly recognizing the God in somebody else, seeing that and loving that so intensely that you don't want to hold on to it. You don't want to change it. You don't want to manipulate it. You just want to see it. You just want to see it. And even if you just see it once, that's enough. You don't hold on to something you love. You let it be what it is because that's why you love it. That's what drew you to it. If we want to love, if we want to find our loves in this world, if you've already found the person that you love, if you want to grow deeper in connection with them, the way we do that is by letting go of control. Don't try to tell the person what they are. Don't try to change them into their, your conception of what you're seeing. If you see the God in them, but they aren't acting like the God in them, love them for the person they are now. There's this saying, everybody's doing the best for who they are at the time. And I think it's true. You gotta learn to forgive yourself so you can forgive other people, you know, and love them so that you can feel love. Forgiveness is not, uh, Morality's done a lot of messed up things to the human psyche. It's caused us to misdefine things, misunderstand things. Forgiveness isn't about being good. You're not a good person if you forgive someone. You're saving yourself. Revenge is like poison, drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Right? Anger is the same. Bitterness is the same. 
Resent is the same, being resentful. You can drink that poison, you can chug it, and you can, all of your might, hope that that person is going to just keel over. They won't, you will. You'll feel more disconnected. You'll be unable to love anything else, even if they're not related to that thing that you are hating. You'll feel numb and isolated and alone and lonely until you, and you'll get so lonely until you remember why you're here again. You're supposed to love. And then when you're in that lonely spot, the way you get back to love is letting go of control. That's It's as simple as that. And most people, you know, like, I've fucked my whole life up, or I've, it's just, I mean, this is, I've been here multiple times, guys. I'm speaking from experience. I fucked my whole life up. I don't have anything. I pushed all my friends away. I've, you know, I've isolated myself. Like, what am I supposed to do now? I'm lonely, and I deserve to feel lonely. Damn right. Why are you here? Because I wanted to be with people. Because <laughs> I wanted to love. Yep, exactly right. So why did you do all that stupid shit? Why did you try to argue? And why did you try to, you know what I mean? Convince other people that you're a good person and that, that they should stay with you or that, they, that, you know, that you, you'll, you'll, you'll fix yourself or you do this or you do that or, or we just need this or whatever it is. Why did you try to do anything besides just be yourself and let them be them? What's meant for you will never pass you by. You're not going to miss an opportunity if you have your eyes open. But son of a bitch, if you keep telling the world, no, 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 that's not what it is. That's not it. That's not what I was looking for. That's not what I was looking for. You control things. That person is this, and I wanted this. That person has this characteristic, and I wanted that. that this person treats me this way, makes me feel this way. You put it externally, just like Nietzsche was talking about. You externalize God. The problem's out there, not here. That is the quickest route um, to a despair you don't want to feel. Nobody wants to feel, but that is meant to be felt exactly so that you come back to center and you come back to love. You know, it's a guardrail. You know, how do you get something that's really in its ego, thinks it's the only thing and, you know, it's all powerful and it needs to change the world and the universe because it got... You know, it's been so mistreated. How do you get it to bounce right back? You know, how do you get it to bounce back on the rails? You, you trap it in a box until it stops throwing a tantrum. <laughs> you know? Until it wakes up. You know, I've tried to hold on to you know a lot of different people throughout my life um i've learned lessons at different times in my life you know boundaries who's good for me and who isn't Uh, but just because you learn that lesson one time doesn't mean you um don't need to be reminded of it or that you uh maybe haven't learned it in the total way right like um You know, I had experiences about three years ago with, you know, a group of friends where um, a couple of them I, I just trust fell away with. I learned, you know, this is actually the beginning of some of my intuitive abilities, but I intuitively started to feel like some of these people weren't being, were being disingenuous with me, you know, weren't telling me the truth about something. I didn't know what it was and just didn't treat me right didn't treat me the way I wanted to be treated so I decided to cut those people out of my life to create that boundary right and that was you know one of the first I think points in my life where I I did something that was scary out of self-love out of recognizing that you know if somebody's not treating you right and you love them what do you do you know it's not it's not about it's not about being vicious it's not about punishing ever it's about recognizing what you need and what you want to feel and why you're here. You're here to feel love, not hatred. You know, I can't control you. And if I try to, I'm going to hate you because you're not going to budge. You won't. If you want to, you will. You know, if you want to change, you will. 
But if I try to change you, you're not going to fucking budge. And you'll actually probably resent me. You will resent me. I would resent me if I did that. Because you're not me. You never will be. You're not supposed to be. And I don't want you to be. <laughs> Nobody else does. We all want you to be you. It is really hard to let go of things that you love. It is really hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. You know. But we always have the choice. Whether you lose something by choice or not, whether you feel like you were in control, whatever the situation is in your life, it doesn't have to be romantic. You know, maybe you lost a loved one, you know, maybe somebody passed away, maybe you lost a friendship, you know, it doesn't matter. But whatever you feel, everybody has these experiences where they feel like something didn't go the way they wanted or that, you know, somebody misunderstood them or, I don't know. And, you know, if you ever felt like you, you, you just, something was left incomplete, maybe. You can, you can, if you're not careful, you'll get yourself caught in a, in a spiral, in a loop. You know, you can get yourself like I did in my situations where you're, you're kind of sacrificing yourself and the things that you value or who your idea of yourself so that you can try to salvage something, you know. If you're not confident enough of yourself, you'll give yourself away because it's not worth anything, right? In order for us as a society and a civilization, um, you know, if we want world peace, <laughs> that's, it's, it's, we start in our own personal relationships. We don't start at the the hop the top level, you know. You work your you work you work your your way inward out, not outward in. And way too many of the solutions we have for the world today, they're all top down, you know. They're all change the leadership, change this, change that, change that, right? No, it starts within each of us, and it is an organic process that happens psychically based on laws of the universe that have been built into the universe since the universe was created, excuse me, laws of cause and effect, laws of attraction, you know, the golden rule. These kind of fundamental mathematic concepts, some of them actually, all of these play into us. Slowly... And gradually evolving into something that is completely and utterly symbiotic with the universe. And that symbiosis is love. Right? That joining together is love. If you let go of control, you realize you can't lose anybody. You can't lose them. You know, when you lose somebody to death, you don't lose them. Same in the same way. So, I think that's what I got for today, guys. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. It was a, uh, um, it surprised me the way it went. Actually, I, 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 I wasn't sure if I was going to sit down and do one today. You know, and sometimes I feel that, and something was telling me sit down and do it anyway. And so it's in those moments that you know some interesting stuff kind of happens sometimes. I'm curious myself to listen back to it because I, I really thought this was going to be more just love and control and it ended up going completely another direction that tied in to love and control. And I, again, I had no idea. So I, I like listening back myself. Anyway, um, I hope you're doing really good out there. Uh, I hope you have been enjoying the episodes. And um, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, check me out on Instagram at the unfounded pod or um i actually on the spotify app if you download download this on spotify there's there's questions and things inter- integrated into the uh the episodes now so like last episode i had a, a multiple choice question and just like a general answer question that i put with the um with the show notes so that you can interact if you'd like and, and we can interact as a um, a community. So if that sounds like something that interests you, drop me a message or answer one of those questions on there so we can get a little more interaction on the show. And um, yeah, that's all I got for you today, guys. Come and join me again soon. Um, hopefully be back here on, on here tomorrow. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, night or morning, whenever you're, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> Lots of love. <laughs>